rambling. Oh my God. How you doing, man? It's been a minute. I know, man. It's the new year. Is this the first episode we've recorded since the new year? Yeah, we uh, had a nice long break. We did have a nice break. When we were, I don't know what you were doing. I was doing... Where were you doing? All, all kinds of things. Um, what'd you do? What'd you do for? Uh, what'd you do for uh, New Year's? Since that's the most recent uh, holiday. Well, I spent some nice time upstate during the holidays because my boyfriend is a teacher and he had two weeks off. Mm-hmm. So we went to an undisclosed location <laughs> upstate. The future. Uh, the future. The future comrade compound. Yeah, yeah. Of the People's Protracted Army. Exactly. And then for New Year's Eve, one of our bands that we manage was playing a cool show in New York City at a place called TVI. And the band is called Tits Dick Ass. They're nice. a great that's punk a, band. That's a, that's, a, that's a very strong name. I feel like that, uh, that name comes with expectations from the audience, from the listener, you know? Yeah, so and I, they I they, uh, they deliver. Presented t- they presented tits. T- 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 see, I can't even say it. Tits, dick, ass. T- well, the the singer is a very badass, beautiful trans woman. Mm. So I feel like that's at least in part where the name comes from, because she's like, mm. "This is what I got to offer," yeah. and they just get on stage and they fucking rip, man. And we were very proud of them. They played oh, yeah. a very good show. They've really been uh, tearing it up lately. So oh, that's yeah. what I did. And then after that, I went to a party at Jake Flores's house. Shout out friend of the show. Good friend of the show, Jake. So that was that was fun too. It was fun to come home and like see some friends and mm-hmm. see some punk rock and yeah. yeah How about tight. you? Man, uh, you know what? I, I didn't do I haven't really been doing shit lately, man. Like uh, my mom's back in town, so for the holidays we hung out. Of course, uh, I wanted to go out for New Year's, but like, man, I said this on the trills. I'm getting older now, man. I'm just turned 31, but like, or 30. Why do I keep saying that? I'm like 32. Um, <laughs> but like, hey, it's like the time, man. It just flies. But like, I wanted to go out for New Year's Eve, but I ended up going out like the night before, I think. So I was like kind of too hungover and like just too strung out. So I was like, man, I'm staying my ass home. So I did. On uh, I did on New Year's Eve. I didn't do shit, but uh, I've been a. Uh, I've been writing a lot, man. I've logged, I've been like, not logged off of Twitter or logged out. No one ever logs out. But uh, I've been reading a lot of science fiction and writing, um, working on a short story, trying to trying to uh, get published this year again, man. Uh, I don't know if people yeah. know, but I've, I've published one short story in an anthology back in 2016. And now I think it's about time I try to uh, uh, either self-publish or try to pitch some stories and, uh, you know, get my name out there. So, uh that's New so Year's cool. resolution. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. I didn't know that. I didn't know you published a short story. Yeah, yeah. I, I could, uh, uh, for anyone who wants to know, it's, uh, oh, man, son. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like the title's cringe, but I mean, it, it, the book is cool. It's called uh, Songs of My Selfie, and it's a Walt ah, Whitman. I like I, it. I, I got, it's kind of, it's kind of cute, maybe, but like, I, when I say it, I feel like, I feel like it's corny, but uh, it's an anthology of a, uh, it's a uh, called the subtitle is called Quarter Life Crisis. So it's an anthology of millennial writers, and uh, I did wrote this when I was like twenty five, and I wrote a short story about love. And I think if you are a millennial in the digital age, um, or also you know if you're an LGBTQ person in this uh, age, I think uh, some of the story the story I wrote will will uh, appeal to people. So uh, if anyone wants to check that out, check out that uh, check out that. Hell book. Yeah. Yeah. yeah! Oh my God, I've been writing a little bit too, Aaron. Aren't you working on? Aren't you working on a book? You working I on a book? I am. Right? Uh, my book proposal is almost done. 
So that's very exciting. Um, I'm at the part of it where you have to brag about who you know. So I've been, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to like tabulate my connections and see, see, see who I can get on my side. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, I've been freelance writing again. I'm working on an article for a new psychedelics website. They're actually relaunching psychedelics.com. And Ooh. I'm getting paid. I found, I found this on LinkedIn. It's like, what are the odds that I'm going to find a job on LinkedIn where my experience taking lots of drugs is actually an asset? But if they got another opening, man, uh, um, I mean, actually what I'm writing right now, even though it's a fiction story, uh, it's very uh, uh, drug drug based, I guess. So uh, I don't know, man. I, I, uh, yeah, I need, I need to find a big boy job, a big person job like you, man. I got to start freelance, oh. at least like freelance. And start I mean, again. it's hardly a big person job, but they are paying me like pretty good money. So uh, hopefully yeah. it'll turn into getting, a regular thing. Well, well as we're, we'll get into it, actually, because this is actually a really good segue. Uh, yeah. at, because, you know, you and I like, you know, I'm not going to get into our respective finances and I don't know mm. too much about it. Uh, but you and I are the ones where we're always looking at each other and talking to each other like, yo, we need to find jobs. Yo, we need to find jobs. Jorge is fucking fine. You know what I'm saying? For his age, especially like, you know what I mean? I love you, Jorge. But like, I, I envy He's you. He's doing you know? quite well. For He's doing quite age. well, right? He's doing quite well for his age. Um, and uh, you, you put me on, we've been thinking about what episodes we want to record for the new year and, um, some stuff that we had in the backlog and you put me on to this movie for a cultural Marxism episode, which this is cultural Marxism with, uh, Jamie and Aaron. And, uh, it's called Emily, the criminal. And, uh, how'd, how'd you find out about this movie? Cause I, I feel like this movie and another one I saw recently called the triangle of sadness, they encapsulate this period that we're living in this kind of miasma this millennial miasma is what i'll call it of being incredibly in debt no prospects for the future like climate change is the ambient background noise of our society everyone is always fucking online you know in terms of jobs you might have went to college and got a fucking degree but now you're working in a fucking restaurant doing gig shit that that's what essentially this movie is about and these kinds of movies usually by younger directors how did you find out about this shit because this shit was awesome dude oh well i'm so glad you liked it i think i actually found it by browsing one night i was like <laughs> yeah, you actually browsing i'm not like just yeah. being on twitter i'm like what's on the streaming service that i can uh, watch and i was mm. like oh that's aubrey plaza i like her she's a great actress i'm gonna click on that and mm. then i was like oh this looks like a great movie and i watched it and it was it was awesome, dude. It was so, awesome. Yeah, RB Plaza's in it, which uh didn't you did you say that she like produced it or wrote she it? She did. To, she produced okay. it and she stars in it. And so clearly she really believed in the project. It was a small budget film. Uh yeah. they shot it kind of on the fly, mostly in Los Angeles, with mm-hmm. uh one day in Mexico, spoiler alert. Um obviously spoiler alert for the whole movie, because we're about <laughs> to talk about it. Um yeah. But yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't just her being cast, although she was very well cast. She like really pushed this project through, made it happen using her star power. So that's pretty cool. I I really I got to say she's turning into one of the greatest actresses of her generation. And it's been really cool to watch her go from, you know, playing April on Parks and Rec, sort of the cute Dario like 
intern. Sexy Sullen is like her archetype. Like, that's what it is. She's the sexy Sullen chick. Like, she always looks like mad or sad or angry, but like, you know, she's hot. Yeah, but now she's actually kind of scary, too, in this movie. Yes, she is. Yo, dog, like, you know, this movie. So let me ask you a question before we get into the plot. What, like, there are a lot of things that I've considered and have done for money, right? Can't, can't say credit card credit card fraud is one of them, but probably would have been a, a, a probably would have been a route. But what like what is the I want to say worst, but like yeah, what's the craziest maybe worst day most dangerous thing that you would do for money? Oh boy, I mean, I'll keep this in the realm of speculation because I don't want to <laughs> like incriminate myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I may or may not have been involved in some uh, illicit economies. In yes. my younger years, when I was just starting out as a blogger, and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, may or may not have sold drugs to my more successful colleagues. Indeed, indeed. I mean, when you're in the blogging economy, you know, with uh, I mean, I think that's uh, with a bunch of uh, a bunch of highbrow writers. I think that uh, that's what I would do, man. You know, I'd be like, hey, man, like buy this weed or buy this coke, but also, can you read the story and like maybe if you want to know anyone would want to, you know, grab it, you know. Well, because these people, these people are nerds, right? So they're like scared to buy drugs from a real drug dealer. But, you know, if there's somebody who is, I don't know, uh, in their little world, you know, like a cute white girl, perhaps, Mm -hmm. who they already know from work, they might not be so scared to buy drugs from that person. So... You know what? That's such a good point. All right, let's get into the movie first. So what? So the plot is basically. I'm not going to ruin the whole plot, but the premise is that Audrey. You can ruin the whole plot. I ruin the whole plot. Emily Audrey Plaza's character is in seventy thousand dollars, I think, in student debt from going Mm -hmm. to art school, and she's a painter. She hasn't painted in a while, and and she she didn't even finish. Which is true for a lot of people who are being crushed by student debt. They did not get their degree for one reason or another. Usually economic, as she explains in the movie. Yes, usually economic, but also, too, the movie opens up with, uh, I forget the actor's name, but um, I told you this, I texted you this. He plays uh, the Dr. Phlox in uh, Star Trek Enterprise. I mean, I knew this from hearing his, because I've watched that series twice already. I knew it from hearing his voice before I even saw his face. I was like, oh, shit, this is like, God, I wish I knew his name. Um... Because I feel disrespectful saying that I remember that guy and can't remember his name. But essentially, this is this interesting part, yo, is that like, okay, so people, there are a lot of reasons why people don't finish school. Right. And her primary reason is economics, but it's because she uh, had an assault charge where she got in jail and she had court fees and all that shit. Right. And this was so fucked up, dog. It's never happened to me. But like, like. The fact that jobs, like, for some bullshit, like, if you want to be a receptionist, they do a background check. Okay, I guess she was dealing, she was applying to be, like, a nurse receptionist or something. Yeah. So, so I could understand that, but, yo, it's super fucked up that, like, they can just, like, you can be just discriminated against for something that you did when you were, like, 18 or something or 16, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it didn't even have anything to do with, because he's like, ooh, th- this guy is playing mind games with her, right? Because, mm. you know, this is what you have to do if you want a job. You have to submit to humiliating treatment unless you're, you know, a member of the ruling class already. And yeah. even then, sometimes, uh, he's like, oh, tell us if you have, if you've done any crimes. And she doesn't tell him, or she tells him something, but like not the big thing. Yeah, he's not like, the big well, thing. Well, actually, I already know. So you're going to have to be honest with us if you want us to be nice to you, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, 
it, it's cringy because, or I mean, it's not cringy, but it made me cringe on the inside because like that is such a typical experience for people to have, you know, you go yeah. for a job interview and they just treat you. You have to pretend like you really are excited to be a receptionist, you know, yes. like the money you is pretend almost like you already the, got the job. You got to pretend yeah. like you already got the job essentially, you know, you, you're not allowed to say to the answer, why do you want this job? Uh, because I need money to live because I'm $70,000 in student debt, uh, or anything like that, you know, but then mm. you see, you see her like at first she's trying really hard to play along. And then she's like, you know what? Fuck you, man. And mm. walks out. And that's like a pretty good opening scene. I think for mm. a lot of reasons, it opens up the theme, the theme of the movie, this, this millennial rage, you know, yes. <laughs> like yes. she's Yo, just this fucking mad enough. Dude. dude. And like, it's like also just like one of those, one of those like scenes or instances in a movie. And there's like, the movie is like, kind of littered with them where it's just like such a perfect expression of class antagonism you know because like everybody's like whether you're applying for a job or you have a job like i remember working at plenty of restaurants here in georgia and atlanta and like they're like i think brian from street fried radio calls them small business tyrants you mm -hmm. know and these are people that just get i mean dog we see this even translated and we'll get into the gig economy shit but even translated to like people who are um, um, patronizing like gig gig apps and shit, you know what I'm saying? Like people who are ordering food and shit. Like they feel like they have like this, I don't know, like this little fiefdom. Like they get this fiefdom mentality where everybody is a surf to them. And I mean, like it's fucking despicable, dude. Like, I don't know. It's just like, it's insane that like not only can you get discriminated against because of some bullshit like she did, but also because like, but also you're treated like absolute shit as if you already work for this person, you know? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And she's she's trying to play by the rules in the beginning part of this movie. But you just see how impossible it is to get ahead while playing by the rules because she she can't even pay off the interest on her student debt. Like she's obviously never, ever going to pay it off for no. real. She'll uh, die before she, she would die before she paid it off. Like many yeah. people will of natural causes before they pay off any student or medical debt. Yeah. And she is trying, but it's just fucking impossible. And she works for a food delivery app, which is, you know, really degrading <laughs> labor. She mm -hmm. like it, we see a scene where this guy is begging her to take his shift so that he can go to his son's baseball game. Like this is the kind of job where you don't get to take time off unless you have someone to cover for you. And Absolutely. you just don't, it, it runs your whole fucking life. You don't have the freedom that, you know, say like a white collar worker would have, although, you know, those workers are exploited as well. And we see later in the film that these people are mostly shitheads and she probably doesn't want to, she doesn't fit in with them anyway. No, no. Let me, let me ask you a question too that I thought was interesting, man, especially, uh, especially given your demographic, right? Like the millennial, like white woman, right? Like, I thought this movie was interesting in a lot of ways because, and we'll get into it, but basically, like, not basically, she fucks over, like, as, like, a white or white passing, she's a white woman, I mean, she's a white yeah, woman. I, she I think she's she's supposed to be Latina in this movie. She's supposed to be a white Latina. Audrey Plows, yeah, she's like a white passing Latina, and she is half Puerto Rican in yeah, real life, Rican. so that tracks. That tracks, She knows yeah. Spanish in the movie. She knows Spanish in the movie and probably in real life, but, like... In two ways, like, yeah, okay, she fucks over, like, this guy, we'll talk about it, that gets her into the credit card shit. That's the scam that she does, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to, like, doing the gig economy shit or whatever. But also, the guy, the scene that you're talking about where her coworker at this, like, gig app they're doing, where he asks her 
to do him this favor for his kid. Like, he's a Latino dude, right? And I feel like a lot of what, how can I say this? Like, whether it was in New York or whether it's here in Atlanta with my peers, it's really sad to see, I don't know if sad is the word, but seeing like people that are non like like white but like of my generation who are also economically precarious also oh like have very much in league with or in common with and i don't want to say in common completely i'm not saying that if you're like leaving if you're like fleeing el salvador that you have something in common with this like white chick who works in the front of house but there are these two precarious situations that both of these groups are in and you would think that just on the surface that they would be nothing they would be so far apart in terms of experience which they are but you know what i'm trying to say yeah i mean i think as things continue to degrade and the rich get richer and the poor get poorer and the middle class continues to shrink um people who would previously have wound up in a white collar job uh, although like it's possible that she would have wound up in a white collar job if it weren't for her criminal record it's also very possible that she wouldn't have right like i don't have yeah. a fucking criminal record and i have yeah. never been terribly <laughs> successful at getting an <laughs> office job either so like it's that's no guarantee like they are all being thrown into the service economy together with you know guys who are trying to support families and uh, i think one thing that stands out in this movie is how isolated she is right yeah. like they don't have i mean they have a certain kind of solidarity because they're co-workers but she doesn't seem to really have any friends except no. for this chick liz that she went to school with who she may or may not even like very much <laughs> um and maybe jealous of possibly oh, she's, she's i mean who wouldn't be i'm fucking jealous of liz i was like yo you go to portugal so her friend liz like you said in the movie is she's just, i don't know the actress name but like i mean she is a small supporting role but she yeah she went to art school with liz and like she's going to portugal for like 11 days to like do a fucking ad shoot or some shit like that which is like for you and i like like when rg plaza's character was like 11 days like wow i was like yo that's a long fucking time dude yeah yeah it's and it's it it twists the knife a little bit more because you kind of get the idea you kind of get the vibe like they grew up in the same town they grew up in the same circumstances and liz mm -hmm. is just this very uncommon success story and mm -hmm. you know we often compare ourselves to other people and say like why not me and you know it probably grinds her gears <laughs> Because she is also a woman of color from... I was just thinking that. It's like, this is a black woman too. <laughs> she's a black woman. She does not pass for white. And no. yet she has managed to climb the corporate ladder and get this very fancy job. And, you know, I don't know if we're supposed to like Liz. She seems like a perfectly nice person, you know? Like, she likes to party. Mm -hmm. I don't think she's trying to rub it in her friend's face that she's, like, massively more successful than her. She's just in this world where she just doesn't... Eat, it, she's completely lost touch with, like, the lumpen, you know? She doesn't even think yeah. about it anymore. Which, like, yeah. on the one hand, good for her. On the other hand, fuck her. Exactly. She, she's like she's like the people that you know the boomers want to hold up as an example and be like you know why can't you just do what liz did exactly 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 and we all know a liz yo like liz is the type of person where like i mean my mom would never do this right but like liz is the type of person where i mean there may be me emanations of like you see you like you just said your friend there why couldn't you be like your friend why couldn't you finish school why couldn't you do this and it's like to see this like inversion right of like 
again, these two people in this, this, these two people in a similar generation, similar circumstances, don't know about upbringing, but they went to the same high school, they went to the same uh, college, um, and then seeing that they have le like less in common than uh, Aubrey Plaza's character and her Latino coworker, like gig coworker, you know, like. And I, we all know a Liz, man. Like I've, ha I have mm -hmm. friends, right? Where like, <laughs> dude, who are like younger than me, bro. And like, I would ideally want to be like, not just a podcaster, but like a writer, right? Some sort of, I don't know, man, public, not even public intellectual dog. I just want to sit on my ass and write, right? And have people read my shit and like it. And I have friends that are like published. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like working on novels, have published short stories. I've published a book of poems. And I'm sitting here like, man, what did I like? Is this and this is where capitalism, capitalist ideology fucks you over because you're like, is this an individual failing, moral failing, or is this indicative of a wider system? And obviously, in this movie, it's indicative of a wider system, which is why Emily does what she does. Sir. That's right. So let's let's get into the crime part. Let's, let's uh, get into the crime part. Word. Let's go through this semi chronologically. So, mm -hmm. yes, Emily is working a shitty job at an app delivering food for white collar workers who treat her like their servant, mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, well-known experience to those of our generation. And then she gets a tip from her friend that she works with that she can make $200 in cash if she goes to do this shady job. Mm -hmm. So she does the job. Uh, we have use. This is where we meet Yusuf who is played by, let me look this up, Theo Rossi. Yes. And, you know, conveni conveniently enough, he's also kind of hot. Very um, hot. So you can kind of see where this is going, I think, yeah, yeah. from the beginning. Uh, like, um, a, like a very like a very young uh, Osama bin Laden. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. No, <laughs> he just look, look like Osama. He's handsome. He's handsome. He's, he's a handsome <laughs> Lebanese guy uh, yeah. trying to, you know, trying to make it in this land of opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, he's sending people out as dummy shoppers using fake credit cards to uh or fake credit card numbers to buy ever, goods had you had you ever i just want to like interject real quick had you ever heard i knew always knew what that was like i heard of like people would try to get me to do it like i remember in high school and even college people were like yo bro you can make money mad quick but i was like nah son i have no idea what this is really but i know it's bad have you ever did you know what the term was dummy shopper I did not know what it was. And if I did, um, you know what? I can't say that I wouldn't have ever done it. I can't yeah. say that I wouldn't do it now. A little I bit feel, curious. Yeah, yeah now, now I'm like, damn, I wish I did. I wish I did it. It looks like some easy cash, I got to say. Um, but yeah, she goes and it is like a cool, interesting look into the world of that uh, as well. You know, I feel like some people are watching this taking notes. Not me, yeah. though. Definitely not me. Definitely not um, me. You can just watch the movie. <laughs> you can watch the movie and take notes. I did like I just want to say real quick. I did like the machine because I don't I never knew how it worked. So to see it work where they have like somehow on the computer, all these card numbers and the names and then they have the machine that makes them. That looks it's like a I don't know, man. It's like a press pressing machine. That looks really fun that looked, it does. looked really that looked really uh at like a lot of like activity you know like exercise i feel like i'm probably not strong enough to operate it but you know <laughs> yeah, me neither My pressure makes arms. diamonds so yeah she goes she does the job it's pretty uh there's like a tense scene when you're waiting for the credit card to go through it's like all right goes through great you mm -hmm. made some money and you bought a tv or whatever that the 
criminal boss is then going to turn around and sell on the black market. That is mm. how that works. So that's pretty cool. She's like, great, 200 bucks. That's a lot of money. Um, she, you know, she goes home, she draws a little bit. Maybe she's even feeling inspired. Mm. Maybe she's feeling herself. And then she does what her coworker did not do, which is she goes back for a second day to make $2,000. I mean, like, Jamie. Oh, real, shit. Real quick, though. Why? <laughs> like, when I was watching this and seeing, like, and I guess this is, like, the structure of capitalism and who owns and makes what. But it's like, yo, bro, like, she made $200 just buying a TV, like, just trading over, like, just trading ownership of a TV, right, from the store to the black market. And she made more money in an hour than she would have made doing anything else. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's like when you see that and you're like, okay, well, not only is money not real, but ownership is not even real. You know what I mean? And you're like, okay, why wouldn't I do this shit and call back and go back the next day? Like, of course I would. I mean, yeah, I would, I would do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would do it now. I, anybody, I, if you know anybody, hit me up in the DMs. No, I'm kidding. It looks, I mean, it looks like a pretty good gig as long as you don't get caught. Um, but, you know, you're still working for a boss. It's just yeah. a crime boss. Uh, yeah. yeah it's not a we'll crime get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, it's not a crime co-op. This is a world where these collective solutions uh, don't really exist. Or if they do exist, it's like some pie in the sky thing that seems like pretty impossible for yeah. any regular person to get started, which is, you know, fair that's realistic yeah. so yeah. she goes back the next day she does a two thousand dollar job which it turns out she's buying a car using this stolen information yeah, and it's like a black a, like a black car so this, these are the cars that have no credit i guess no limit no credit limit yeah so this one's a little bit trickier the guy gets violent with her when she's trying to get away uh there's like a chase scene which is pretty, pretty cool to watch. And then, you know, at some point she has to pepper spray the guy and she makes off with the car. She gets out of it. And at first she's like really, really uh, kind of traumatized by it. You know, her nose yeah. is bleeding. Her nose is bleeding. Cause wait, what happened? What happened was that she like the card took, it took like eight when he swiped the card for the car, it, it would take the bank eight minutes to call them and let them know that it was fake. So that's why it was such a tense scene because she's looking at the clock while she's signing papers. The guys are trying to make chit chat with her. And yeah, she has to like drive away because the dude is like, yeah, that card is fake. And she ends up tasing him, which was pretty cool. Or no, she doesn't tase him in this scene. The taser oh, comes no, later, she, but she yeah, pepper oh my sprays bad. She him. Pepper sprays his ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she gets away and, you know, she's kind of traumatized by it at first because uh, the guy, Yusef, told her it was safe. And she's like, mm, that's why you paid someone else to do it, right? Mm, but mm. then, then I think something, maybe she gets over it and realizes, hey, like I actually did a pretty good job at this. I made $2,000. Also, yeah. this guy I'm working with is kind of hot. So maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll keep on doing it. <laughs> so which, then, go ahead, go yeah. Ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say, which like, I mean, like the benefit of like, you know, what I'm saying before, like, oh, like you made so much money doing like nothing. But mm -hmm. also like the Yusuf is pretty hot. 
you know, so that's like a plus plus, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's that's a like bonus. A win-win. It's a fringe yeah, so, benefit. And, you know, yeah. he's very he's he he seems like he's kind of a criminal with a heart of gold. You know, he like mm-hmm. feels bad and he wants to come in and make sure she's OK. Help also, her put ice on her face. Also, he's trying to he's like he's lives like a criminal with the heart of gold because he's also trying to save up so he can like buy property and like. You know what I'm saying? Like, be a businessman and not necessarily respectable, but, like, be in a better situation than he is now, right? Well, this is a world where we either have to be exploited or exploiters, right? So, it makes sense that his dream is to become a landlord because that is how... That's one way of building wealth in a legitimate way. And he can... He's planning to funnel his uh, ill-gotten gains into this legitimate enterprise. Mm. So... Again, you know, it's not really a world where collective solutions are uh, are a possibility. Although, this is the thing, the next thing I want to talk about. So, she goes back to her job, which she left in the middle of the day to go do this much better paying crime job. Mm-hmm. And she finds that the boss has cut her hours as punishment for mm-hmm. the for leaving work, basically. And she's 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 like, "Wow, that's not fair." And the boss actually tells her, he said, you're an independent contractor. So stop acting like you have rights and go back to work. Uh, He also says, call your shop steward in a sarcastic way, because obviously they don't have a fucking union. And, you know, granted, this is illegal. What what these apps are doing. It is illegal to compensate someone as an independent contractor, but boss them around like an employee. But the people working there don't have any money. So they're not going to be able to hire a lawyer. And like, obviously the solution that I would say is they should start a union, but it is really, really hard to do that. And I can see why, you know, if you see this new way out as an individual, uh, that's going to be more appealing than, you know, the long, difficult, grueling, thankless work of starting a union. So you can maybe get like a raise of $1 per hour in the yeah. next few years, you know? Yeah, yeah. And didn't and didn't California already try to uh wasn't there wasn't there a referendum to uh to give gig workers um like you know like you know to make it easier for them to unionize, right? Yeah. And that like like you had liberals, I mean not just like reactionaries, but you had liberals who like voted it down, right? So it's yeah, like they killed it. Mill- they killed I mean it. they spent millions of dollars lobbying to kill it and it worked. Exactly, exactly. So it's like you know, like going off of what you're saying, like the that was such a real moment where her boss, the gig boss, is there's such a weird a like, gig boss, right? He's telling her like, "Yo, like yeah, call the shop steward," because it's like, yeah, man, this is what makes these situations like even more jobs even more precarious because you don't even have the power to like collectively, you know what I'm saying, to collectivize and fight for your benefits because you're all like an island into yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like and legally speaking, you know, you're categorized as a contractor, you know, it's so hard. It's yeah. so hard for independent contractors to organize. I mean, um, I've read stuff about how like the truck drivers in California tried to do it. I'm trying to remember what year this was. Of course, it escapes me currently. But mm. the point is, they couldn't. <laughs> These mm-hmm. badass truck drivers going on wildcat strikes, they couldn't do it. So and, and you know, the economy has changed as well since people were, you know, forming the unions that built the greatest middle class of all time. Right. And this mm-hmm. uh, this brief period, this interregnum from like the post World War Two period to the 1970s. Um, and even then, it, it was difficult for them. 
uh, and they had a lot more going for them. You know, you can listen mm. to my interview with uh, Aaron Bananov, who wrote uh, Automation and the Future of Work, mm. if you want like a detailed explanation. But this was a time when productivity growth was high. Um, and the, basically, there was enough to go around so that the workers were able to get some pretty good concessions from the bosses and there was still quite a bit left in profits. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of that was based on the fact that productivity growth was high during these years because of technology, because technology kept advancing. Um, mm -hmm. Also, the market was not saturated. Uh, there was a lot more room for growth in output. Whereas now, uh, in the service economy, uh, if you think about these kinds of jobs, there's really not that much room for productivity to grow because there's not any technology really that can increase the speed at which somebody yeah. delivers food yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yo, you know, I don't want to like, I don't want to, uh, I want to, I want to pick your brain about that after, uh, and I want to make this relevant to this conversation, but, um, I'm working on something right now where, you know, it's, it's set in a futuristic setting, but the problem is that like this, we're in this post-industrial, which we are right now, service economy, right? And there's the stagnation of technology where technology is not being applied, not only not to free people from like like the drudgery of work but i mean even to realize like full human potential right like to actually like provide food for people and housing and shit like that you know so it's like you know in the in this film again in these kinds of films like again i was saying triangle of sadness like there's a kind of influencer um kind of side plot there one of the characters is an influencer you would think with all these technologies where you could become your own boss you would think that these technologies would free people up, right? Because what does Audrey Plaza's character say, right? And what do we what do we always talk about? Like the fact that if we didn't have to go to work, we would make art. You know, we would lay mm -hmm. on the beach, we do whatever we want. And you would think with the promise of technology that that would also like correlate with progress and liberating people, but actually not, nah, man. It just enslaves people even more. It just give it just makes the boss not only faceless. But you know what I mean? You, 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 it makes your, your coworkers faceless as well, I guess, right? Your, your, yeah, your coworkers, I guess, right? Yeah, te your technology is, it's only as progressive as the hands that it's in. And as yeah. long as it's in the boss's hands, it's only going to be used to oppress us. Um, yeah. But yeah, so now she's like, you know what, Yusef, I would like you to train me. She's doing like a crime apprenticeship, basically. Mm. So he's like, <laughs> okay, you know, she's like wearing a shirt without a bra underneath mm. it. You can see her perky little titties. He's like, mm -hmm. all right, great. Yeah, I'll show you some stuff. Yeah, so, hell yeah. <laughs> so I would have been like, I would have been like, oh, word, definitely. <laughs> so he gives her a taser for protection. He's like, use this. I um, thought he was gonna give her. I'm not gonna lie. I thought it was gonna be a gun. Yeah, and I too. appreciated the 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 stakes of the violence in this because immediately I was like, like when it's like Emily the criminal, I was like, damn, somebody's gonna get shot and murdered in this, you know? But yeah. like, she did. She gave him a taser. He gave him. A, he gave her a taser, not a not a weapon, not a actual like you know murder yeah, well, weapon. I think Yusuf, as we learn later, might be a little soft. Like uh, his brother doesn't respect him and yeah. thinks that she's the one with the balls and, you know, might be right. So, oh, maybe, he's right. Maybe that's a little bit of foreshadowing. So, mm. yeah. So at the same time, we see this, this ascension narrative of her sort of learning to do crimes at the same time that she's sort of 
still holding on to this dream of getting mm. a job at the advertising firm where Liz works, you know, despite the fact that we get to see some of the people that Liz works with and they really seem like douchebags, right? Like yeah. the scene at the party, she doesn't know anyone. Liz, Liz throws herself a homecoming party after being away in Portugal for 11 days, which I think is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she meets some of these people and she obviously does not fit in with them. And actually she invites Yusef because, you know, this is the world that she's starting to identify with. You know, these are these are her work. Yusef is her work friend, you know? Yeah, yeah. Those are her work friends. Also, I just want to add to I really liked I really, really liked that scene because um, you know, where and there's a whole part that we skipped where somebody tries to these two couple try to rob her and like rob her for all the money that she has because she's making a lot of money. And that's when like we really see like her metal and like we really see her like criminal element yeah. where she like robs them back. She tases the guy with the taser that Yusuf gave her and like threatens the woman with a with a with a fucking box cutter, I think. Oh no, with the taser and like it's like, you know where I live, now I know where you live, you know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but I really did like the scene where she's sitting at the party with all of Liz's artsy friends. Because you know, I've been in situations where it's like, like, this is behind a paywall, right? Oh, I don't I, know. I, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. I, it say, I, can say it anyway. I can say it anyway. I mean, if, they, if they're listening, hi, guys. But I, uh, when I was in New York, um, I got invited to uh, Sam Adler, Bell, and Matt Sitman, friends of the show who you've interviewed. I went to, like, their, like, little shindig they had. And, like... I am a podcast. I mean, they're podcasters too, but they've been published in like the New York Times, right? Like other uh, pepper, pe papers of record. And I'm just there because like, I'm just like Twitter buddies and podcast buddies, you know? And I'm sitting there with like, you know, like New York's uh, like social democratic, like intelligentsia, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't do shit. You know what I'm saying? So like, I really felt that I really felt that moment where she's looking around at all these people who are much more successful than her, who are doing what she wishes she was doing, or maybe not. And then she's like, yo, I need like my actual work buddy. I need my comrade. So mm -hmm. she calls Yusuf. I like that. I like mm -hmm. that part. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then, you know, right after that, they have a little sexy time. Yeah, they do. Because they're, you know, it, it, if it were a different kind of movie, it could be like a little Bonnie and Clyde story. You know, where they like have fun doing crimes and getting sexy together. But it's a much more serious and gritty movie than that. And realistic, too, because that shit never happens. Yeah. yeah, it's not. I mean, it definitely shows. I like it that the movie doesn't really seem to judge people for doing crimes at the mm -hmm. same time. It doesn't like glamorize it like it shows the violence and the, the fear and this like animal struggle for power which really kicks in in that scene when the guy tries to rob her and uh actually takes liz's dog too she's taking care yes. of liz's dog for her and she goes back and she fucking gets the money and the dog back and, yeah. and then fucks you're them like both up a little bit yeah. you're like whoa okay i think she actually has a talent for this you know maybe yeah. that that assault charge she caught was not just a fluke like she, <laughs> she's got some anger issues, but now she's like making it work for her, you know, yeah. which is always what they say. You know, you got to find your talent. And for her, it seems like it's this. So well, it's like Yusuf's mom said, right? Yusuf's mom, when she takes him, when uh, he takes her to his, uh, his mom's place for lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that scene. Yeah. 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 And Yusuf's mom says, uh, which was a very cute scene. Right. But um, his mom says, uh, you know, everyone has a gift. God gives everyone a gift. 
He's like, Emily, the teacher, you know, Emily, the poet, you know, and it's like, that's where the title comes from, right? Emily, the something, Emily, the criminal, mm-hmm. right? We're all, we're all assigned or God, uh, God, maybe not God, but under capitalism, uh, uh, we're all uh, unfortunately assigned these roles in life, and uh, she, you know, she, she, uh, her class consciousness rises to the point where uh, she breaks out of that. You know, well, she, she figures out what her skill is in capitalism, and it turns yes. out that it is doing crimes. So, I, yeah, that is where the title comes from. I think mm-hmm. the scene with his mom is pivotal in a few different ways, right? Because mm-hmm. it shows like this little glimpse of the kind of happy life they could have had together mm-hmm. if his asshole brother didn't mess everything up. Um, and also, Technic- yeah. Technically, she messed everything up. But that's a different story, though. She, she she ends up going, walking into the same store twice in a week, which puts the whole operation in jeopardy, which this scene Whoops. is important because we learned that, right? Yeah, yeah. She, I, I'd say her, her fatal flaw is that she's kind of rash and sometimes she... Uh, she makes mistakes because she's mm. she's too hasty. Mm. So yeah, she made a mistake. She went in the same store twice and the brother gets really, really mad about it. Also, I think the brother is a little jealous that uh, he's found this new person that he's going to work together with. Yeah. So it's a pretty uh, little thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's he, he comes in and kind of waits till the mom is gone. And then he's like, hey, man, what the fuck? And so then that sets off this end game that's very, uh, very sad, very sad mm. and disturbing. Um, but before that happens, mm. she goes in for a job interview <laughs> at this oh, company. Yes. Where she still somehow is holding out hope that she's going to be able to work. Like she tries so hard. Okay. This is not like Breaking Bad where Walter White has like a million chances to fix his money problems without breaking the law. And he doesn't take them because it's just like, you know, it makes his dick hard to be a meth dealer or whatever. Like she, it's very clear that she has no other way out (laughs) besides, you know, doing what she's doing. Um, But she's still trying. Like she's trying so hard to not be a criminal. She wants a real job because obviously it's a lot nicer of a life. It's a lot safer. It's, it's a lot safer. And I mean, like this scene where so Liz, her friend Liz, who works for this art studio, whatever, um, this it's ad, ad company, ad studio, yeah, yeah, ad studio. Her friend Liz finally lands her this interview, right? And this shit was like. I mean, I've never been in this situation, but it is so Ugh. real, right? Because like internships are just like one of the most, I mean, it's like, like Emily says, right? It's just like, you have the audacity to ask someone to come in here and work without money. So L- L- Emily thinks that this job is a paid job as an assistant, you know, she's yeah, not. Yeah, because Liz going, didn't fucking tell her. Liz didn't fucking tell her, yo. Hey, well, let me ask you a question. So did you nah liz had to know okay liz had to know that it was an internship because i was like did liz not know that of course she knows that because she fucking works there right she's working mm-hmm. it for years right and i forget the actress's name uh gina something but she's an actress that gina grishan green Gr- gina grishan right and when i saw her in this role i was like oh she's perfect for this right it's like some devil wears prada type of shit <laughs> and yeah. they're doing the interview and she's like okay like you know, it's not a problem why you got the charge or whatever, the assault charge. She didn't really ask about that. But she did ask, like, why didn't you go back to school? You know, why didn't you go to community college? And like, dog, like, I made the effort to go back to school. But also when people ask you that question 
it's not as cut and dry and easy as it seems, right? Like you go through life changes where you can't just turn around and continue on the same path that you just were derailed from. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she explains that she had to take care of her grandmother. Yes. She was sick. She had to fucking work. Like there are very real reasons why she didn't finish school. Which is why school should be, which is why she probably went to a fancy schmancy private art school, but it doesn't fucking matter. Well, that's that's why school, you should not be able to pay for that shit. School should be free. Higher education should be free. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And, you know, school is a lot more expensive than it was when this fucking girl boss was going to school. And she does, she does, there's like the little exchange that is very, very indicative, I think, of the older generation of women and how mm-hmm. they feel. Like, like how the fucking Hillary women feel towards like all the millennials who support Bernie. Yeah. Right? They feel about you, you mean? <laughs> well, us, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, sure. She's like, well, you. Yeah. you know, when I was your age, they told me all I could be was a secretary. And then Emily's like, okay, but secretaries get paid. Yeah, also, yeah. did you have this much fucking college debt? And then she calls her spoiled. Cause she doesn't, she's like, man, you don't want to pay your dues. Uh, no, not to bleh. Don't even mention, I'm getting so pissed. I can't yes. even talk. The fact that this is literally illegal, what she is doing. It is illegal mm-hmm. to have an intern that you do not pay that replaces the job of someone that you would normally be paying. Mm-hmm. It is supposed to be for the intern's educational benefit. Of course, nobody fucking follows that rule. I did so many unpaid. Well, okay. I did a few unpaid internships in college mm. and right after that never even That's came so close, <laughs> never That's even enough. came close to leading to a job. All right. Uh, but the boss is just like, you're just spoiled. You think everyone's out to get you, but like, this is a predatory system. Like they literally yeah. are. They literally are. So mm-hmm. that job interview obviously goes side sideways. She says what, it's like kind of like wish fulfillment almost because she says what we all always wish we could have said in those mm. situations where she says, if you want to tell me what to do, put me on the fucking payroll. How about that? Yes. And, and I just and that, add, that's, I just that's add, the end of that. I just want to add the scene is just so satisfying because that tit and tat and that back and forth. It's like, bro, like I, I hate when like boomers say some shit like that where it's like, motherfucker. You could have like dropped out of kindergarten during the Great Depression, fucking worked on a potato farm during the Great Depression with your dad. You know what I'm saying? By like the 1950s, you could have like, you know what I'm saying? Left your job as a mailman, like a milkman or some shit like Mm -hmm. that and retired a millionaire in like 1999 or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? Like things costed like cents back then. You could eat an old meal for a quarter or $2. Like, what are you talking about, bro? Like your rent was like 10 bucks a week. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, like, come on, dude. Yeah. Fuck off old economy girl boss. We're not, we're not here for your shit. So, so then things get real serious, right? This avenue to legitimate employment has completely shut down. Even if she, even if, okay, here's a question. Perhaps she could have made it work. Maybe at this point in time, she, she's making enough money off of crime that Mm -hmm. she could have done the unpaid internship for 40 hours a week and, you know, supported herself with crime. She, I don't think she wants to. Like, it's a matter yeah. of pride and respect. And I think she's just over it at I, this I, point. I think I think one thing, one, like, she, one, she's not guaranteed, even if she did that shit, like, you know, did the internship really on the side or her main gig, you know, doing crime. Even if she did the internship on the side, she's not guaranteed to get that job after five or six months, right? Because this is a competitive position, as, uh, uh, as the interviewer had told her, right, boss lady. 
but also too, like, I think there is a Breaking Bad element where like, and we see this in all this anti-hero shit, you know, where it's always like, whether it's like Nurse Jackie or Weeds, you know, uh, maybe not Nurse Jackie because she's, no, she does crime and that shit. But these anti-hero shows, like there's always the element where like the main character likes doing it. You know what I mean? Like they get, they do get awful in it. Like, yes, she's making these decisions because she kind of has no choice. But she also enjoys making these decisions, as she says to Yusuf in one of the penultimate scenes where she's like, you know, people will fuck you over and kick you around and drag you around until you make your own rules. You know, that's right. I wrote this down. I wrote this down because I liked it, too. She said, because this is when he's she's okay. So they go to he's basically going to try to rob his brother before he can rob him. Uh, But then his brother gets there first and he's like hanging with the Armenian mafia now. And Yusuf is like, you know, we just got to cut our losses. They're serious people. And she goes, no, we're serious people. They should be scared of us. Motherfuckers will keep taking and taking from you until you make up the goddamn rules yourself in her tough New Jersey accent. And that is a very pivotal line it's also it's also a classic american story right like i mean like mm-hmm. motherfuckers love to talk about well you know there was religious persecution and that's why the colonizers colonists came here it's like okay bro but also they were like hold up they looked around and saw oh i could like get by by fucking over the people that have been here for ten thousand years okay i'll do that oh word we're gonna bring some black people from africa over you know what I mean? Like, that's the classic American story is fucking people over. And mm-hmm. you know what? In, uh, in Emily's hands, uh, I can uh, I can respect it, you know? It's, it's fuck or be fucked, basically. Yes, it's fuck those or be are, fucked, exactly. Those, those are the choices presented by this world. So, yes. you know, it's pretty understandable when someone's like, hey, I'm going to become the one who... I am the one who fucks. <laughs> <laughs> it should be the title of this episode. The Emily the Criminal with the subtitle, I am the one who fucks. That's funny. I am the one who knocks. Yeah, <laughs> that's, so... That's, so this this end game is triggered, right? Yeah. Which it gets very serious. And yeah, it is kind of Emily's fault that this happened in the first place. But mm. also his brother is being an asshole. So mm, mm. I don't know. I mean, she's she's definitely an anti-hero. Like I'm scared of her. She does bad things, but like I'm still kind of rooting for her at the same time. Also, uh, there's re- no there's no honor among thieves, right? Like, I mean, I get it's his brother, right? And like that that's the thing too, right? As you were saying that like Yusuf is kind of like yeah, he's kind of like a bitch, right? His brother is the one that runs shit. He's been working for him for two years, and apparently he says he hasn't even gotten paid, right? Mm-hmm. And and for all this work, um. But I mean, at the same time, all that money was made illegally anyway. You know what I mean? Like, does it really matter if you take it back illegally? Like, I don't really think so. She's, uh, yeah, no, there's no honor among these, but she's sort of like the Lady Macbeth in this situation. Mm. You know, she's sort of driving him to, she's trying to make him someone he's not. Like, yeah. he is a little too, he, he's not really cut out for this world. He's no. too nice. He's too sexy, you know? Yeah. He's yeah. never, he's never going to last. So they try to rob his brother and take all the money back. Mm. but and and they get pretty far it's pretty clever scheme you know she shows up in her uniform from her food delivery app Mm. job which is pretty clever Mm. but his brother outsmarts them a little bit and manages to 
deal what is probably a death blow to Yusef in the yes. head. And it's very sad. And yet she manages to get the money and Yusef and get in the car. But then he doesn't have the keys and he's kind of like in and out of consciousness. Yeah, and he looks like he's in the background. about to die. And it's very, very sad. You know, she's in the car. She has this moment and, you know, she probably does a mental calculation where uh, he's definitely going down and she could choose to save herself or she could go down too. And what happens is obviously she makes off with the money. Yeah. And gets away with it. Right. And like, like that's the thing where at the end I was like, and again, it's like, it was talking about like the pitting of, you know, this, this white millennial, you know, versus like this immigrant, you know, and it's like, she's the one like not just because of the function of like she's a white woman, but just because of the way the events play out, she's the one that ends up getting away. But it did, it did, it seemed like an unintended metaphor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like a, a, an unfortunate, unintended metaphor that the white girl ended up fucking over the brown dude. But I'm happy she got away because it would have sucked if this movie ended where she went to jail, if the cops found her. You know what I mean? That would have fucking yeah. sucked, man. No, crime pays actually. Yeah, even in, even in the world of crime, it turns out, you know, being a cute little white looking girl uh, especially helps you out because what is she, what is she able to do? She takes she's like bleeding from the face. She takes a garbage bag full of cash and gets on the bus and goes home and yeah. nobody stops her. Which <laughs> yeah, is no, like Yeah. <laughs> okay. That, yeah, that middle, is real. That is quite realistic. She's actually. walking in the middle of the night with a big ass bag of money, and I was like, "Yo, it would have been really interesting, actually. Actually, this would have been really fucked up and really dark, and I probably wouldn't have liked it. But I'd have been like, damn, if she just got robbed by some like crackhead just at the bus stop <laughs> after all of that, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. she like has no money, can't go anywhere because the cops are out for her. But fortunately, that doesn't happen, and she gets on the bus, and then we see her in, I didn't know it was Mexico, but yeah, we see her in Mexico. She goes to fucking Mexico. So, yeah, this last scene, you know, the the LAPD fucking breaks down the door to her apartment, you know, finds her roommates there on the couch, which is pretty funny. Not sure how realistic it is that the LAPD would immediately be solving the murder of a criminal. Also, also, (laughs) like, like, saying, like, you know, uh, announcing before they break in and not immediately just shooting down the door. Like, I also <laughs> yeah. don't know how realistic that was, but okay, you know, my, my suspension yeah, of yeah. disbelief, you know, I understand. They don't even, they don't kill any dogs. They, they don't, don't kill, kill any dogs. Roommates. Nah. I mean, I, I would have felt bad for her roommates. They didn't seem to have done anything wrong. Um, no, they seemed a little but, annoying and loud maybe, but you know. Yeah, like, but they're, they're fine. But guess what? She's not there. She made it to Mexico where she has always wanted to go. Mm-hmm. She's draw she's drawing on the beach. She's mm-hmm. really she's living her best life. She's doing exactly what she always wanted to do. And when, then Well, Yusuf told her that, you know, like and I just want to say real quick that we didn't mention that, but Yusuf asked her when he's showing her his place mm-hmm. that he's buying up um and to rent out and fix up. And he says like what if it wasn't for the student debt, like money, what would you want to do? And she says, well, I want to draw and I want to travel. And that part made me really sad. He's like, why don't you do it? Right. He said, why don't you just do it? And that part made me really sad because uh, I think about that shit all the time. man. I'm like, yo, why? And I think I can do that more than most people. But it's a reality that I mean, it just doesn't seem like a reality, even if 
you might have the means to do it. I mean, I think feel like people have certain obligations where they can't just throw everything down and leave. And I, I don't know, that scene really spoke to me, right? But yeah. she ends up doing it. By the end of the movie, she did it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, probably has a million dollars, that's why. <laughs> yeah. We don't know how much money it is, I don't think, but it's a lot of money. It's a lot of it's fucking money. It's a lot of fucking money. And then, guess what? She ends up in the last scene, she's now the Yousef in this uh, sort of similar kind of dummy shopper operation down in Mexico. You know, she's got a group of people. She's explaining to them in Spanish. She's saying exactly the same stuff that Yousef did yep. when uh, he was getting people to work for him in the first scene. And, you know, it's like the student has become the teacher. Yeah. And uh, boom, it's like, damn, you know, yeah. this is not a movie where people get punished necessarily for doing bad things. It's a movie where they get punished for being too soft. Exactly. Or, and that seems very realistic to me. It, it does. It's like what she said where, uh, you know, the scene where Yusuf asked her when they pull up to Khalil's place, his brother's place to rob him. And Yusuf says to her, what did you get the assault charge for? And, you know, she tells him like, you know, her and her boyfriend used to fight, but the mistake that she made was not going far enough because if he had, then he wouldn't have called the cops, you know? And like, it, it did kind of like, I like the ending in like a badass way, right? Like, I mean, it had been like, if at the end of Breaking Bad, Walter White gets away, he doesn't die, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like the, 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 the anti-hero got away, but it did make me a little bit sad because it's like, oh yeah, like the 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 fucked becomes the fucker, right? You know what I'm saying? Like it's mm -hmm. like like this master slave dialect dialectic has been twisted on its head. And all we really do, like you were saying earlier, is like, I mean, you just find someone to exploit, right? You know, and the cycle reproduces and repeats itself, right? Mm -hmm. And all the social relations there within. And that made me kind of sad, you know. That did make yeah. me really sad. I mean, also, that's like a really chilling scene when she's describing her assault conviction because she, I don't know that she's a criminal with a heart of cold, right? Like yeah. what she learned from her abusive relationship was that she just needed to scare him more. Yeah, she needed to be more abusive. Yeah, exactly. Which is why, like, again, it like Yusuf was just what just wasn't built for it. Right. No. Like it's evident that she and I really did like that little nugget like throughout the movie where it's like, you know, at the beginning when the guy interviewer asked her, well, what was the charge for? You feel bad for her. And I mean, you should feel bad for anybody who can't get a job because they're discriminated against for prior criminal record. But then as the movie progresses and especially at the end, right before they go in and she she says, yeah, what you just said, like, yeah, I should have like scared him more. It's kind of like, damn, man, like, actually, <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I should be comfortable with you being around, you know what I'm saying, in certain work environment. Like, I don't fucking know. I don't want to judge, you know what I mean? But it's kind of like, you seem like an inherently, uh, a maybe violent, abusive person, she, aggressive. Yeah, she's, kind, she's kind of scary. She's and like, scared. but this is the world that we live in, you know, like we don't have a world with restorative justice where no. if somebody makes a mistake, if a relationship goes bad and someone abuses their partner or even if they abuse each other. We don't live in a world where there is a way to repair that. There's a way to heal from that. There's a way to come back from that. You know, all we have is this draconian system of crime and punishment where it, it teaches you 
primarily, yeah, don't get caught. Do whatever it takes to not exactly. get caught. Do whatever exactly. it takes to look out for number one. So, in a, yeah, she's a very... I'm not saying that anything she does is okay here, but she's very much a product of her environment. Yeah. Well, look at, look at, dude, look at, uh, you know, like after 2008, you know, um, look at, uh, and all the bankers who didn't go to fucking jail, you know, look at the Sackler family. Right. I mean, look at yeah. like Walmart executives or any, like, you know, these big executive families or executives or companies that like engage in wage theft. Right. Like mm -hmm. these people don't go to fucking jail. So it's like in a society and it's always, it's interesting that the, the, the shows and movies, even if they are written as neutral about law and order or crime and punishment, even if they are favorable, right, towards the criminal element, they never end up getting away, right? Because it's always like, it's always that like that little cop in your head, right? I guess in the writer's head and the director's head and the producer's head, that's like, well, no, we can't glorify this. And it's like, okay, but in real life, the, the really bad guys who do horrible shit, I'm not talking about credit card fraud. I'm talking about who've, like, I mean, they're butchers. You know what I'm saying? Like, they get away with this shit all the time. Why is it that people like Emily never get away with it in the movies, right? Yeah. Or in yeah. real life. <laughs> and, like, I think the the people who made the movie also don't, they they don't mean to imply that any of this is necessarily bad right which mm. is sort of it's crazy that a movie like this got made because i think i think it was the director in an interview i don't have the quote in front of me mm. but he's like yeah this is a story of a girl like she's discovering a thing that she's good at and she's gonna keep doing it <laughs> basically yeah, she's gonna keep doing it and like i know they're not gonna do a part two you know because like a movie like this you don't do a part two it defeats the purpose right ended yeah. perfectly and wrapped up where it needed to be but i'd be down to see uh emily down in mexico uh, maybe getting in with the narcos and maybe getting in with the uh, with the cartels and shit like that, man. I, I would watch that story. Okay. All so right. a question I have written down here. I mm. think we already started to talk about it. But what do you think this movie's politics are? Uh, I mean... If it has them. If it has politics. So, I mean, uh, I wouldn't say that they're explicitly left-wing politics. Like, uh, for me, a movie that's explicitly left-wing politics is like, you know, if you are, I mean, it doesn't just specifically have to be about socialism, but I mean, it's class, it's class consciousness and it, the way it expresses class organization, right? And the need for class organization, right? That's a, that's like a left film, right? It's telling you to do something, right? It's suggesting something. Mm -hmm. uh, this movie just seems kind of neutral on that front. But it is definitely, it's an anti-capitalist film. I would say it is an anti-capitalist film. I know that sounds maybe confusing. Just because it's anti-capitalist doesn't mean it has, like, a specific political project. But a lot of shit is anti-capitalist without having a specific political project, right? But, um, I mean, it's definitely an anti-capitalist movie, man. Like, it's definitely, not only does work suck, but crime pays. And um, maybe what we classify categorize as crimes whether it's or maybe the consequences of those crimes right because i'm not saying that assault is not a crime right she uh she assaulted her boyfriend and you know she uh uh there were consequences for that but it doesn't mean that she should be discriminated against for a job right and i think like the ways in which this movie really interrogates whether it's the gig economy, whether it's student debt, 
Um, I think the way it interrogates these things, like it's just again in that the, that canon of films that I've seen in in the past maybe I don't know couple years, um, that really captures the zeitgeist right of this age. I think you know the yeah. social relations and political economy. So uh, yeah, definitely an anti-capitalist, a uh, bit of a comrade film, I would say. Yeah. I, I would say it's not necessarily an anti-capitalist film, but there are anti-capitalist lessons that can be taken from yes, it yes. by people who know, right? Yeah. Like, like, I would put it maybe in the same category as a movie like Parasite, right? Where mm -hmm. it does a good job sort of laying out the world as it is, but yeah. doesn't necessarily have any solutions but, you know, that's okay, because that's not really art's job. I think that's where mm. we come in, uh, because the solutions are really big, and they are hard for the average person to wrap their mind around, and they also take forever, right? This because, you know, it, this, this film presents one individual's solution to this, this mess that we're in. But obviously, we know that the real solutions are collective, Right. Indeed. Like we need to form unions in the short term. We need mm -hmm. solidarity with our fellow workers, uh, however tricky that may be. Um, mm. But, you know, that is really, really hard and it takes a long time. And we don't most people don't have that kind of fucking time. You know, the other solution, obviously, the only real solution is revolution. But uh, that's also pretty hard for the average person to wrap their mind around, right? But I think the bi the basic building blocks to that are here. That anger, you know, that uh, that that sense of collapse, you know, like the economy is collapsing. There's no way out for the average person, and more and more people are falling into desperate situations. Um, that that anger. You know, that that really needs to be somehow and, and you know, her disrespect for property, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> not to mention this needs to be somehow collectivized, not isolated and used to overthrow the system. And that is the challenge. That's the great challenge. You know, how do we get people like Emily, people who are brave, people who might be a little scary? You yeah. know, yeah. how do we get people like that to work with other people and trust other people? and trust in this this idea that yeah. needs to be made into a reality you know yeah. that's yeah. that's the million dollar question well i mean you know i'll just i'll you know close out i uh i'll just close out my comments by saying like you know like i don't know man it's like this paradox of a generation that i mean maybe two overlapping generations because you know, gen z is part of this too but um especially I guess if you're 18 or whatnot, but um, going into the workforce, but like these two overlapping generations where like they can, they understand what's wrong with the world, right? Um, you know, capitalism, but they don't yet have neither. I don't think either of us have a pro pro, pro programmatic, like step-by-step, step, this is what should happen. We have an idea, but they they don't see the means and the resources about how to collectivize and how to exact like this solution right on the world. So it's kind of like watching a car crash in slow motion. Like maybe we were just born at the wrong time to deal with the problems of, you know, today. Um, but, you know, I definitely do think we laid the ground, the, the, the uh, foundation, the groundwork 
But um, I don't know, man. That's that paradox. Is like, how do you get people like Emily? How do you get people that, you know, in two in, in two thousand in twenty twenty during the George Floyd protest, when you saw all of that potential, that proletarian potential of people breaking shit, burning shit down, also organizing, right? I mean, down here in Georgia, Atlanta, uh, Cop City, right? Seeing the energies that have been put in from the George Floyd protests and the pandemic where everybody was fucking at home and seeing all that energy being channeled into something, um, unionizations over the past couple of years. Um, I could see it, but then so many more people like Emily or maybe like you and I at one point decide to engage in a list of activities that, you know, that consume our energies because other than that, we're just fucking going to work, right? You know, and like, like being in debt and struggling. So, um, I don't know, man. And one last thing I want to say too, like, uh, I've, I've been more of the mind that art should be political and it should inherently be political. And that even if it's a movie like this, that, as you said, isn't explicitly anti-capitalist, but can offer anti-capitalist, um, lessons, I think that like all art should aim to do that. I'm going to make the bold statement that art Ooh. should be for the potential of radicalization in politics. And I mean, like, I'm just working on stuff now where I'm thinking, what's the point? What am I writing for now at the political age, the step of the age of the type of the stage of political development that I'm at? Sorry. What's the point if I'm not going to be trying to say something about how we should, you know, about how the world is, you know? So I am grateful that you you uh, showed me this movie, that you uh, introduced me to this movie, which did have something to say about the world, man. Which I'm so is glad that, that you liked it. Crime pays. No, it's got to make crime. <laughs> crime fits. Yeah. Literally, the movie is about how crime is. Crime is uh, it might not be good, but sometimes it's necessary. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, crime pays. Crime you know, pays. I feel like Aubrey Plaza might be, this might be becoming her thing. Like uh, these morally ambiguous lessons. Like, yeah. did you watch White Lotus? Can I spoil it for you? Nah, you, you yeah, spoil it because I'm probably gonna you, yeah spoil it because even if you do, I'm probably gonna forget <laughs> it when I watch it anyway. Go ahead. Like, like if the lesson of this movie is just you just need to you know become like a badass criminal mm. and you know everything's gonna be okay. I think the lesson of Aubrey Plaza's character in White Lotus is like you just need to cheat a little bit and your relationship will become better somehow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So maybe she's a little twisted. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, she definitely like I don't know, man. Like she again, she just gives off like I called it sexy sullen before, but now it's like femme fatale. Not even femme fatale. It's just kind of like I don't know, man. Like I'm gonna play these morally ambiguous characters, and uh, it makes me it makes me wonder about her personal politics. Like I wonder if she's a comrade. I would not be surprised to find out that she. Uh, that uh, that Arby Plaza is a some kind of socialist. Well, maybe we should make friends with her. And oh, I'll definitely make friends with her. Shit. <laughs> we can find out. I am very proud of you for making it through this episode without implying that you want Aubrey Plaza to beat you up. No, no, I no. Feel I don't. Like I don't want. Oh, that would be the easy joke to make. First of all, I'm a <laughs> pussy. I don't like. Listen, man. I'm like a very vanilla guy. I don't like to be hurt. I don't like to be harmed. I would not like to get beat up by Argy Plaza. You hear, you hear that, folks? No, I, I definitely have some guy friends who are like, oh, man, yeah, I would really, I, I would just love to have her just fucking choke the life out of me. 
I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. It was more than that. And more than her like being aggressive to anyone. It was incredibly hot when she was telling Yusuf like to like grow some balls. Right. Like yeah, that was yeah. like, yo, I need a woman like that or a person like that in my life. But like, motherfucker, like it's eight o'clock. It's nine o'clock. It's noon. What are you doing laying in bed? Get your ass up and write. Like I need somebody like that. You know, you know we all need a little help sometimes. We all need a little, a little, uh, a little Clyde to our Bonnie. Yeah, exactly. So maybe, maybe we'll make friends with her and she'll be that person for us. Well, I got to come to New York. For, I got to move to New York for that, man. Does she live here? Yo, they, I feel like they all live there probably. I feel like she lives in LA because she's an actress, but you know, she probably comes to New York a little bit. I, I feel like I could make this happen because look, we really do need like at least one comrade with access to Hollywood so yeah. that we can start putting our messages in films because here's the thing. Okay. Mm. Here's the thing I was going to say about uh, mm. like the messages of the movies. Mm. I know we, I know we got to end it pretty soon mm. and that's okay. Mm. Um, like I'm tired of having movies like Parasite come out where, you know, someone like Barack Obama yes. can watch this movie and yes. enjoy it and understand it in some ways, uh, kind of in similar ways to the way we do. But then his solution to the problems laid out in the movie are like, you know, that's why we need uh, tax credits for people who, uh, you know. Jimmy, that's why we need tax credits for people's homes who flood. <laughs> you know, I mean, basically, that's why we need him to be our ruler. And then, you know, we just need these little technocratic tweaks. And then all of these problems will be fixed. Like, what would it look like to have a movie like this where you cannot possibly come away with that as your answer? You know? well, I mean, it would have to have a lot of bodies and a lot of those bodies would have to uh, uh, compose the ruling class, right? Like, you know, or cops or some shit, right? Like, I mean, it, it reminds me of, you know, how, again, everyone, I mean, people know I love science fiction. I've been talking about it. But like, you know, it, it fucks me up when someone like Elon Musk or like there's some writers like Robert Heinlein, who is a bit of a conservative or libertarian, I guess, you know, like a little bit of a mixed bag, but... Starship Troopers is a book that like glorifies militarism, right? It's a very fascistic book and proudly so, right? Um, Pineline probably wouldn't say that, but he's toying around with some ideas that he sincerely believed in. And it just fucks me up, like, or whether it's like Star Trek, right? Like you have conservative Star Trek fans, and I'm like, how is it that you took this and you took this source material, the same thing we were saying, like Parasite, and like, like, who was it that said that Parasite? Or like, yo, another example too, actually, with Bradley Whitford, right, who plays the dad in Get Out, who's the line where he says, I would have voted for Obama a third time, how Bradley <laughs> Whitford's character sincerely really thought that was a sincere line, like he believed it, and it's like, dude, you are fucking, you're not even the audience member watching the movie, you're not Barack Obama watching Parasite, you're not Elon Musk reading, I don't know, watching Star Trek, you, you know what the fucking movie is about. You know what I mean? So like, how would you be a part of it? And I don't know, Jamie, I really don't know. Like maybe that means again, why art for calm for us? I mean, art actually art is political for these right wingers too. I mean, like, like, or these Jesus freaks, yo, they don't make shit without thinking about like their politics, like the dark Knight by Christopher Nolan. I mean, that movie was about how Occupy Wall Street fucking sucks. Right. Or not the dark Knight. I guess that's dark Knight rises. Right. So it's like, if Christopher Nolan gets to do this, if Zack Snyder gets to do this, or if you if you fucking Marvel director get to do this for a billion dollar movie, why shouldn't we be doing that in everything that we do, you know? So well, 
That's why we need to start ELC Studios. <laughs> I like we that. just I like need a few, a <laughs> uh, few good backers. Maybe like a, maybe a star or two to like you know help get the message out. Maybe a Miss Plaza. Yeah, could be you know. Miss, Miss Mrs. Thorpe if you want to be. <laughs> just just spitballing <laughs> ideas here. Just spitballing ideas, Audrey. My number is seven one eight. Nah, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I mean this this is this is Jorge's grand ambition. This is his idea, and I feel like maybe someday we could we could produce we could produce great art, great revolutionary yeah. art. Because the libs, liberal Hollywood is not going to do it for us. They're good, the closest thing we're going to get is a movie like Fight Club. You know, yeah. where it's sort of uh, tacitly an anarchist movie, but it's so deeply embedded in there that it's easy to mistake it for something else. Which they do all the time. Which they do, these these, uh, these alt-right dudes, I don't even call them alt-right anymore. I mean, these fascist dudes do all the time. The same thing with The Matrix, the red pill, the blue pill. Oh my God. It's just like, dude, like, it was literally created by, like, trans sisters. You know what I'm saying? Like... The whole anyway, I could get into that, but um, this was a uh, this was good, Jamie. I I really, it made me also. This is off topic. It's not it's not off topic. It's not really about the themes of the film or its politics, but this is a movie that made me want to watch more RP Plaza shit. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? I'm about to go on Netflix and see what else she's been in. Maybe I'll check out White Lotus. Peel myself away from uh, space operas of the '90s. But uh, I, uh, I I enjoyed the fuck out of this man. Oh, same, same. It's, she's a great actress and she seems to have a good nose for projects. So she does. I'm very excited to see what she does next, you know, possibly as a partner of ELC Studios. Indeed, indeed. And Audrey, you can always, if you are in Atlanta, I called her Audrey, see? That's why she's not going to hit me up, bro. She's like, I'm not Drake, <laughs> motherfucker. Don't be calling me Drake, yo. But, know, uh, you almost had her. Almost had her. Almost got you. Nah, this is great, man. Uh, <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say before we head out? No, I think uh, I think that's it. I don't know if this is going to be. I think this is all we have on the docket for this week. So Might as well I just think make it we'll free. probably have to make it free. But make it free. Um, we've got a lot of cool stuff coming up this year. Yes, we do. In yes, the we do. next, we have a few weeks of really cool content planned. So, oh yeah, duh! I'm going to plug the Patreon. Patreon.com yes. slash Everybody Loves Communism. Or fans.fm slash everybody loves communism. That's where you can go if you like what you hear and you want us to do more of it and you want the bonus content and you want access to our cool Discord community and, you know, potentially some other stuff that we haven't even come up with yet. Uh, just give us some money. We have yeah. a really cheap tier if you just want access to the Discord. It's $2 a month. We have, you know, the deluxe if you want to give us five bucks a month. And this will enable me and Aaron to not fall into a life of crime. So <laughs> if you don't want us to do crimes, please, please, please give us money the legitimate way and we'll All keep right. making really good content. Or, or if you want us to do crimes, just let us know and give us money anyway. You know, I can, I can, uh, I can moonlight as a, uh, as a domino masked bank robber. Jamie and I can do that, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, 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 man, I, whatever you want, yeah, yeah. take requests. Yeah, the world is your oyster, indeed. Fund wow. our crimes. Fund our fund our crimes, indeed. Yeah, fund our illicit activities. No, but uh, yeah, this was great, yo. Thanks for uh, making me watch a cool movie. I'm so glad. I'm so glad we're back. Um, and you know, hashtag do the reading. Do the reading. Do the watching. Now watch this movie for real though. Check it out. It's, cool. it's really good. All right, bye. bye. 
I'm flies up, heck sis, that's no embellishment. I'm here to paint the whole game, whether it's set or in. Good pussy, good marijuana, that be my medicine, and I'm a mixture of MJG and the government. A revolutionary banging on my adversaries And I love Dr. King, but violence might be necessary Cause when you live on MLK and it gets very scary You might have to pull your AK send one to the cemetery We overwork, underpaid and we underprivileged They love us, they love us, why? Because we feed the village You really made it or just became a prisoner of privilege You willing to share that information that you've been given Like who really run this? Like who really run that man that say he run this? Who, who really run that man that say he run this? Run, run, run this? Like who really fun this? Like who really fun? Who say he fun this? Like who in the world gon' tell Dustin who to put on the you can't come list? Now don't be silly. Who the fuck gon' bully me if I got a billion? If I got a billion, a bitch recording me. I'm like who cares? When I wouldn't be is on TV, stuttering, talking scared. So the question is, when John's at home, that trade that bitch alone. Who's that voice on the side of the phone that shakes and rattles his bone? Could it be the man behind the man behind the man behind?